What's up, listeners? I'm Noah Downs, the host of Forgotten Paths, a D&D actual play show here on the May Contain Action Network. Forgotten Paths is your go-to source for immersive stories in the form of Dungeons & Dragons adventures. We've just completed our first thrilling campaign, so you can enjoy a complete story with 61-hour episodes available. It's an amnesia campaign where our heroes start with blank character sheets and have to figure out who they are and what brought them together. As we're gearing up for campaign two, we're keeping you entertained with exciting miniseries releases with amazing guests. So stay tuned for even more adventures to come. While you're exploring, don't miss out on the other fantastic shows all within the May Contain Action Network, such as May Contain Action, Goblins and Growlers, Unvaulted, and Quid Pro Roll. You can find them all linked in the show notes. Goblins, Brandon here. Uh, if you enjoy what we do and you'd like to help support us create more and maybe even take the podcast to weekly, then the best way right now that you can support us is to head over to patreon.com slash goblinsgrowlers. You can find all the different stuff we do there, one-page dungeons, uh, bonus audio for things, all kinds of stuff. So head on over there, uh, and even if it's just a dollar or you know however much you're comfortable doing, or if you can't put anything toward the Patreon, just tell a friend about it. Tell somebody about the podcast. That's another great way to support us. So, uh, patreon.com slash goblinscrowlers, uh, and we'll see y'all soon. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Goblins and Growlers podcast. I'm Brandon at Way of Brandalore, and Josh is under the weather and under the water today. So, uh, we got uh, Noah Downs Esquire, noted tabletop role-playing game uh, attorney, here talking to us. Noah, thank you for pinch-hitting for us today of course listen when when our good friend josh is on the ir we need to have somebody of substance somebody of of, of a high caliber somebody of um of 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 you know knowledge pop on and since they weren't available i decided to come along yeah exactly you're you're a, you're a man of substance but in a much different way I yeah think. exactly exactly <laughs> i'm i'm a, a substance uh okay anyways <laughs> like like polonius I, yeah, I'm full yeah. Of substance yeah 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 <laughs> There's uh, Hamlet so, joke. <laughs> so uh, the uh, the original plan Josh and I had today was uh, to take sort of a look back at 2023, which was, to put it charitably, a tumultuous year what? in in tabletop role playing games, especially if you're a bunch of wizards situated on the coast. Right. Uh, so uh, Josh gets to miss out on that fun today. Right. And uh, Noah's here to do that. Noah, do you have any like real quick uh, plugs up front, maybe for a podcast you might do or your social handles? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, my name is Noah Downs, a.k.a. my lawyer friend. Um, that's important. Follow me on Twitch, Twitter, and TikTok there. But the most important thing I want all of you to do right now is to open up your phones, which you're already listening to this podcast. Don't hit pause. Do this while you're talking. And go and search for the Forgotten Paths podcast. It's a D&D uh-huh. actual play podcast. 60 episodes, one hour each, full campaign, plus a bunch of miniseries. It's fantastic. You know, I got friends on it, etc. Go download it. Like it. Rate it. You know, I don't care if you listen, but feel free to. Um, but yeah, boost our stats, baby. All right. Yeah. You remember what I was saying about having to edit out long intros from the beginning of the podcast? Yeah, keep yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I'll jump on that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so let's just go ahead and jump right into it. Um, I know like the main thing that we all want to talk about is the the OGL controversy. I've never heard of it. Yeah, exactly. Like a year ago, 
when we were at MAGFest and we were vendors at MAGFest, Goblins and Growlers was last year. Uh And pretty much everybody who came up to us that weekend and came to the booth was like, how are you all feeling about how are you feeling about the OGL changes? How's that going to affect everything you're doing? We're like, well, it's going to, it's going to affect us. It's a, it's a thing. It's definitely a thing. Um, but yeah, what a cluster, what a cluster that was and what a bizarre ending to it. Yeah. Like, so the OGL for everyone that's listening that maybe has been under a rock or, you know, doesn't pay attention to the internet, which in which case good for you. Yeah. Um, uh, is the D and D open gaming license. And so there was an open gaming license, uh, that wizards of the coast had out called OGL and, uh, it was in place for 22 years and it effectively created an ecosystem under which third-party creators, you know, publishers, creators, and designers could create and publish their adventures, their works. Obviously, G&G and QPR have their own publications mm-hmm. as well in your one-page dungeons. Um, it allows you to publish using the D&D rule set in certain parts of the SRD reference document. And so, um, Wizards of the Coast, for those of you who missed it, said, nah, we don't need that. Let's charge people if they make over a certain amount and also keep all their IP. Um, it's not a license. It's a terrorism. <laughs> it's terrorism. <laughs> so they yeah. screwed that up. And tell me tell me if you remember sort of like the zeitgeist like before that happened, but I remember it just being sort of a looming threat for a very brief period of time. But I'll admit like toward the end of 2022, I wasn't paying any attention to it. Like how long was that bubbling up as a possibility? It, it bubbled up um, all the way back to Gen Con of 2022. So summer of 2022. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was when people were like, oh, no, this is coming down the pipeline. And then. In December, I was asked by a client who was slightly panicked to come out and uh, go to uh, PAX Unplugged in a whirlwind 36 hours so I can meet all the people that I was going to be representing at the beginning of January. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the <laughs> express and stated purpose. Um, and so uh, OGL exploded on January 5th of 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, and when is this episode coming out? This episode is coming out uh, Monday. And today is the 4th, and it's Thursday, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, so the 8th? Yeah, so tomorrow will be the anniversary. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, looking back on it, OGL was one of the biggest mistakes that Wizards of the Coast has ever made in its entire um, history. Yeah, yeah. And this is, I mean, <clears throat> this is a company also that has like left racist stuff in, yeah. in, in legacy publications for like 30 years. Oh, oh no, not just left it. Like also republished it. True. And then said they were going to do better and then published more new stuff. More new stuff. The Spelljammer book that's behind me <laughs> right now. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, yeah. But yeah, I, I would say that, you know, it's so what was cool about how the OGL worked in the 22 years leading up to January 5th, 2023, is that it allowed Wizards of the Coast to not have to publish their own. Uh, uh, works as much. So like, yeah, before it was, oh God, we've got to put this out, crank this, do this, the art. Oh my God, we're working around the clock to get things out. And because it put a license out into the ecosystem and allowed third parties to make and sell their own works and make a living mm-hmm. off of it, it built this cottage industry where wizards only had to create the pillars of the of the industry and the pillars of D&D, publishing five to six books a year that added to the lore, pushed, mm-hmm. the, pushed everything forward. And these third parties could build things in and around it and so when you go out and you say ah nah screw that we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna drop a bomb in the middle of that ecosystem it scares people yeah 
like everybody else, like everybody was just sitting there saying like, what the fuck were they thinking? Like, yeah. What was the thought process behind that? Because like you look, you look at the, like the most recent Q3 earnings, right. And mm-hmm. like, and, and Watsy and the digital gaming made like what, like a billion dollars in revenue. It was like just shy of a billion. Yeah. And that, you know, that's before like adjusted profit and everything like that. But let's just look at that revenue number because it's insane because the profit yeah. number was still insane. Right. Yeah. So like making that much money and then saying like, you know what? Let's destroy an entire portion of the the tabletop economy. Yeah. Right? And and just like, how do how do they think that's not going to alienate people? Because wasn't wasn't part of the original proposal like, oh, well, like you will be able to publish this stuff, but we're going to get like 70 percent of the revenue. Like I'm I like I'm casting back and I'm remembering that there were some like weird draconian conditions under which you would be able to publish. Yeah, so you could um, uh, OGL uh, the OGL one point one as we'll distinguish uh, make make a distinguishment mm-hmm. of OGL one point one was the new and proposed one. Um, it meant that you had to report works that you are making to Wizards of the Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it meant that you had to report the revenue from your work if you make more than fifty k a year, which sounds like a big number, but mm-hmm. it's really not in this industry. Right. Um, and then if you make over a certain threshold, which at the time was proposed seven hundred fifty thousand, but could be lowered simply by notice or no mm-hmm. notice by Wizards of the Coast, you have to pay a twenty five percent royalty. Mm-hmm. Now think about it this way: you're th- you, a lot of people are sitting here thinking, "Holy shit! If you're making seven hundred fifty k working in the D and D space, Watsy created D and D. They sh- they should get twenty five percent." And normally, I'd agree with you, except that the way that this particular industry works, we have Kickstarters mm-hmm. that explode. Yeah. And those Kickstarters aren't just, oh, hey, we came up with some pins and ideas. They're very carefully planned. Mm-hmm. Like the Obojima Kickstarter that 1995 Games just put out. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, amazing Kickstarter. I think raised $2.6 million. Mm-hmm. Um, If they had to pay a 25% royalty over 750 k that is their entire profit margin plus some. Yeah. Because they have to hire contractors, they're running their company for a yeah, certain amount of time off. Exactly. Of like it's it's really easy to say, like using that seven hundred fifty thousand dollar number, like oh that's fantastic. You shouldn't be complaining about that. That yeah. seven hundred fifty does not go a long way after you start factoring in like your variable costs, mm-hmm. like your direct labor and everything. Um, like Kickstarter takes a portion of that too. Yeah. Like like w- when you do that. So like what is what is Kickstarter's percentage? Oh, I don't know off the top of my head right now. Yeah. Um, because I I. I Candidly, have some behind the scenes information that's in my head, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it's it's not it's not insignificant. It's not super high. I still recommend Kickstarter. Yeah. Um. But it's yeah it's yeah. I'm not top. knocking it or anything. I'm just saying like yeah. that's just another cost you have to factor in when you're looking exactly. at that magical six figure number. So and, like yeah, it was a it's a raw deal for people. And like, then on top of that, Wizards of the Coast would receive a perpetual, mm-hmm. irrevocable right to use your work. And to allow others to use your work without paying you anything. Yeah. It's, so if you create something huge, it could appear in the D&D movie without any payment to you. Yeah. It's so wild because it's like it's like Wizard was smoking the fantasy so much that they're like, well, we'll just set up our own little fiefdom. And everybody has to do exactly what we say because they're peasants. And it wasn't even really Wizards. It was Hasbro, the parent company. Because yeah. on December 8th of 2022, right before this, this is when we kind of all realized, oh, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, December 8th, Hasbro announced to its investors that D&D has never been more popular. And it has really great fans and engagement. But the hobby is under monetized, even mm-hmm. though they made a billion dollars in yeah. the previous calendar year. And so in order to increase that monetization at the time, I told people, 
you can do two things. You can hire a team of writers, creatives, and creators to increase the offerings and publications that Wizards are cranking out. Or you can just take money from people by mm-hmm. instituting a royalty. And they decided to go the way of pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just not okay. It takes a foundational document of D&D and something that people relied on for two decades and yeah. replaces it something that monetizes D&D at the community's expense. Yeah. It's like it's like the, it was like the Bill of Rights of of D and D, yeah. And and what they were what they were saying was like, well, you know what, we're we're gonna put soldiers in your home, and you can't yeah. say anything, you can't do anything about it. Yeah, fuck your uh, fourth form, fifth. Yes, yeah, oh. noted attorney. No, listen, <laughs> full of substance, <laughs> signifying nothing. Um, but but the good news is the good news is is that it had a good outcome, right? Yeah, but I'm like. I'm I want to make sure I say that early in the video. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> true. That'll be on the thumbnail. <laughs> no, you're just going, but it had a good outcome. It had a good outcome. But like, you know, the thing I just can't get past, and it's really easy to just be like, blah, 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 public corporate, you know, public company, blah, 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 capitalism. But yeah. like, there has to be some neurons to rub together to be like, oh, like if we institute this change, there's going to be a tremendous backlash. Like it does yeah. not, it does not take an educated person to come up with that. It just needs somebody who understands cause and effect in the universe. And Watsi was told that. And as a result, you know, I was part of this, this tiny discord group um, mm-hmm. that was filled with creators and they were all asking questions. And from that discord group, the hashtag D and D be gone was born. <laughs> um, and that led to 40,000 people canceling their D and D beyond subscriptions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and that's when Watsi said, hold up. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, let's not be hasty. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so um, they did change course. They proposed OGL 1.2, claimed that OGL 1.1 was just a draft, even though it had been offered for signature to mm-hmm. my clients. Um, it switched to OGL 1.2, and uh, OGL 1.2 was not better. It was, <laughs> it was. Arguably the same. Uh, Very charitable got, of you. <laughs> yeah, it was it was not better. But um, what what we ended up rallying around, they said, yeah, we don't need we don't need the royalty, but we still need to update the OGL. And so what they did was um, we rallied around the definition of irrevocable, mm-hmm. giving Watsi an irrevocable license, or whether or not the Watsi's license to us was revocable too, because they kept playing around with that term. Mm-hmm. And they redefined the word irrevocable to mean revocable. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so funny. They were trying but, to turn it into irregardless. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and here's here's what crushed me as part of this. Um, I was obviously heavily involved in this. This is going to be the most animated you're going to see me for this whole video because I know the most about this. And the rest mm-hmm. of the stuff, I'll pretend. Mm-hmm. Um, kidding. Uh, but uh, what crushed me was that Watsi employees got sideswiped. And that's not okay. And if you take nothing else away from this video, you listening, watching at home, here is your soundbite. No matter what a corporation does, the individual front-facing employees that just are doing their job and had nothing to do with the poor Mm decision-making do not deserve your vitriol. And... Frankly, they could be your friends. They're your they're your foot in the door to making change. And so sending them death threats is not okay. And unfortunately, a lot of Watsi employees had to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, 
un, you know, fortunately things turned out the way that they did and Watsy did backtrack, but that was really unfortunate to see that kind of ugly side of our side of the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, at the end, like it was stupid and it was a bummer, but at the end of the day, it's a game and yeah. you know, let's not, <laughs> let's not yeah. threaten people's lives with that, you know? God. And you know, somebody, somebody will come back and say, well, they were threatening livelihoods and like, well, it's not the same. It's, and ironically, yeah. like a, a couple of weeks later, Watsi was like, oh, yeah, you're threatening them. Well, don't threaten them anymore. We're laying them off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, yeah, we, we, Josh and I spent a lot of time talking about that, I think, in the last in the last episode. But like by the yeah. time we got like it had been done to death kind of by the time we got to it. So we just talked about it for maybe like 15 or 20 minutes. But it's uh, like as sort of an aside for that that I, I don't mm-hmm. think I have on our show notes. It's just like. It was hilarious as I was just like zooming around YouTube um, over the last like three weeks and just so many assholes on these channels who are just clickbaiting the hell out of their time. I literally saw one that said Dungeons and Dragons on life support. And I know and I clicked into the video and then uh, I watched it for a few minutes and then I, I put a comment on there and I was like, hey, this title is like really hyperbolic. Beca- and then I was and I'm like, I know, you know this, but like this is really hyperbolic because blah, 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 blah. It's like literally stronger than it's ever been before, even yeah. after this. And I shit you not. He responded to my comment. The, the the owner of the channel and said I of course it's of course it's a clickbaity title because if I didn't do that nobody would click on the video <laughs> fair <laughs> no no it's not it's uh, it's honest it's not fair it's, yeah you know that, that's what I mean it's honest not fair yeah. it's it's kind of like saying hey I don't like capitalism but damn I'm good at it yeah um yeah <laughs> so i don't like capitalism here's my mortgage yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. so good good for them you know what yeah. i'm not even mad yeah but i'm a little mad but yeah so like i think the real the real juke that happened here was just like and then it goes into creative commons and that yeah. just blew up so many people's plans it seems like well uh, so i want to hear your perspective and why you'd particularly say that what what i would say was well before before you pollute my thought process let me just put it okay, let me just put it, it out there it, or cuz cuz i'll start equivocating if i incorporate what you have to say right. but here from my perspective as a consumer it was like this it was you know like there was there was talk about maybe it going into creative commons but nobody was really like feeling solid about that right and then it did but you know in that month long period um, when when everything was really at a high boil, you had your your Pizos and your Cobalt presses your Black and everything. Flag, Project Black Flag, yeah, yeah, and they were they were like, we're coming to the rescue. We're going to develop this whole new system. And and at the time, I I'm positive that there's like audio and video evidence of me saying this at the time. I was like, this is stupid because it's like the fracturing of of streaming because yeah, these people like. D and D for better or worse was is the is the GURPS of modern tabletop yeah. role playing games, right? So if they just fracture it and then every third party is like, well, we're going to create our own system, then yeah. that's stupid because because yeah. there's no viable alternative at that point. There's just a lot of little things. So they all start doing this, and then it's like a record scratch when when Watsi puts puts it into Creative Commons, puts five point one into Creative Commons. Yep. And you like you immediately hear the gears grinding to a halt and, let, you know, Cobalt Press Tales of the Valiant. We had an episode recently where we were just asking, like, is that relevant? And I think my answer is no, because at the time, I think they were pl- it seems to me that they were planning on doing something not maybe not transformative, but much different than 5e. Yeah. But you look at the Black Flag SRD now and it's like it's it's 
it's 5e. It's just got a couple of extra things. They treat like inspiration differently. They've got a few mm-hmm. bits here, a few bits there. A Cobalt Press employee literally said in uh, some sort of, of story, it's 5e with a new coat of paint. <laughs> yeah, it is. And that's the thing is like, you're right. Watsy juked everyone out of their shoes, including yeah. themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, Watsy, uh, so Watsy was trying to dribble down the court and land this basket, you know, just to keep on with the basketball analogy, mm-hmm. um, and trying to land this thing and shoot their shot. And they kept like tripping and kept fouling. Mm-hmm. And finally, they're like, you know what? Let's just shoot a three, put in the creative commons. And they did the jump shot, but they left their shoes on the court <laughs> because they left so many things in there clearly by accident. They're yeah. like, oh, no, no, we meant to leave Strahd von Zarovich yeah. in there. Isn't the term beholder in there now? Yeah, the term beholder is in there. Um, And so they say, oh, yeah, we meant to. They clearly didn't mean to. They rushed to an outcome and it happened. I worked in newspapers for 20 years and that's exactly what happened. That's how you get a a bad misspelling or the wrong person's name in a headline. You're like, well, it's two minutes to deadline and we got to send this thing now. Yeah, exactly. And so so they juked everyone, including themselves. But at the end of the day, they put the SRD for 5e. Into the Creative Commons, and they said you could use OGL 1.0a. We're not touching it, or you can put in this Creative Commons uh, CCBY, so you know attribution license. So mm-hmm. as long as you properly attribute um, when you're when you're using it, then and you're only using things from the SRD, then you're good to go. So mm-hmm. I, I know I think that was at the end of the day, uh, the community had a huge win here, um, mm-hmm. and so I, I'm really proud of what we did. Yeah, but like again, like looking at it from my perspective as a consumer, like is, does that track, right? Like these third parties, like, like Mm -hmm. these larger third parties were like, Oh, we've got an amazing plan for this. And then they Mm -hmm. just had the rug pulled out from under them. Yeah, they did. Cause if if they didn't have anything to rail against anymore. Yeah. Um, And that, that press led to a lot of sales. You couldn't buy a Pathfinder book Mm -hmm. for like a month and a half. Um, It was the hottest thing on the shelves, but because Watsy backtracked so hard, there was just, all of a sudden just avoid and you know yeah. when it's like when you push really hard and then you like just pull something out everything just goes kind of cascading yeah. um they kind of lost their momentum a little bit um now i represent just, a lot of these third-party just, creators just, just, just a bit just, just a little bit i yeah. do represent a lot of these third-party creators and they they're like when i say lost momentum i mean they're still at a higher higher watermark than when they started 2023 of course mm-hmm. yeah 25 50%, but yeah. they're not at their projected like 300 to 500%. Right. Know? They had they had some, you know, cat champagne dreams and stuff like that and yeah. it's just not working out that way. Yeah. I, I feel like if if Watsy had taken yeah, maybe just maybe a week or two less or a week or two more to do what they were going to do, things would have been a little bit different. Yeah, exactly. Um I I, I wish that I wish thing yeah, I wish things had had worked out slightly differently for the benefit of my clients. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, this hobby that we love is better overall because of the way things ended up going. Yeah. And uh, like, I really tried to summon up my own irritation after that happened. But, you know, once once Creative Commons was in play, I was like, I really can't be upset about this anymore because no matter yeah. what they do for any other iteration of D&D, they've put the most popular version of it in the in, creative comments. Yeah, in, in a public sphere where they cannot take it. People are going to be playing 5e for the next 30 years because of that. And people yeah. are going to be making money off of 5e for the next 30 years because of that. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, we're going to have this new edition, which I know we're going to talk about later. Yeah. Um, may- maybe we skip to that now. But um, sure. Yeah, so they're going to have one D&D. But we're, 6D. I, 
but we're not allowed to call it that anymore because that was yeah. never the actual name of it. According, don't to them. call it one D and D. It's D and D six E officially. You know, like uh-huh. or whatever it is, it's D and D goes digital. Yeah, <laughs> I like um, how I like how now they're saying six E when before, like yeah. before, it was like it is iterative. It is absolutely not a new edition. It is it is Dungeons and Dragons and digital sales, mm-hmm. um, and so um, it is going completely digital. There's certain things I can't talk about that I know about um, mm-hmm. because they're subject to NDA and attorney-client privilege. I, that I, I, it's just gonna be wild, man. I'll say I'll say this though: like I am sure that everything in your head that you can't talk about, somebody else has speculated about it. it exactly. So somewhere out there, somewhere out there, there are nuggets of gold floating around the pyrite. I will say I, I'm really excited about some of the things that I can't talk about and because mm-hmm. I think they're beneficial for mm-hmm. third party creators, um, which is good. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, uh, D&D 6E, it's, it's an even numbered edition. Nobody's mm-hmm. going to care. Like, mm-hmm. It's the opposite uh, of a Star Trek movie. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like nobody cares about fourth edition sucked. Yeah. I don't care what Dungeon Masters block says. Nobody <laughs> like fourth edition sucked. Um, but uh, uh, but I would say that fifth edition is definitive. Three and three point five is definitive. Um, and fifth edition two. I, I would argue that three point five is definitive because of Paizo. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I'll never forget. Cre- like rolling a three point five rogue. Mm-hmm. And just how many skills you just, <laughs> you just kept checking boxes and like, you just dumped everything except decks and you could just like, you could melt through the fucking floor and steal anything. It was amazing. <laughs> I miss it. It was highly invalid, yeah. especially the spell thief. Last, so, but I digress. Yeah. Last week I played uh, Baldur's Gate 2 for a little bit, um, and I, I started playing in second edition, so that's what I used to be yeah. used to. It's amazing how much I dislike it now, having yeah, played it's something much easier. Rough, buddy. And yeah. that's the thing is, like, you see stuff like, I think I think the Star Wars KOTOR was based on 3-5. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, like, it's it was so ingrained in society. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but one D&D. <laughs> yeah, but one D&D. Um, DOA? One <laughs> D&D and DOA? Dead on arrival? No. You, like, you obviously know where this is going, you know, better than most people, but it's... Like, I, I would never again in my life bet against Dungeons and Dragons uh, because like one at, at a certain point, uh, a, a, ch- an, a reaction becomes self-sustaining and there's very little that you can do to stop it. And you just have sort of a runaway nuclear effect. So they can really do whatever they want and it's going to be fine. Like, I, you know, when when uh, we were at PAX Unplugged last month, like I was able to demo the um, the I v- was wondering if you yeah. wanted to bring up the VTT. Yeah, the VTT. And, you know, I was. When we when I first saw the demo videos of the VTT, I was like, well, this is just Diablo, like because it's a you know, it's an isometric dungeon, you know, but it but then we started using some of the building tools and things like that. And, you know, my my closest comparison to it would be like Dungeon Keeper from like 20 years ago or just like sort of like Sim style tools for it. But it was just so much. It was so much more fluid. Um, you know, the, the dynamic lighting was was fantastic. I really liked how it flowed. I didn't get to ex- mm. play with any kind of like character pathfinding going through it or anything yeah. like that because you run into a lot of AI problems with things like that. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel like that's probably a solved problem. 
you know what's what's really fun is and this is one of those things where like i'm dancing around what i can say um yeah. i'm i'm part of the test flight groups for yeah. the vtt i don't know if i told you that by the way no you didn't um um yeah i'm part of the test flight groups for the vtt and so the build that i have um is light years behind what we um showcased at the at pax U, what we played at pax U, um and i'm really excited for our next iterations um mm-hmm. and so because they clearly took the feedback that mm-hmm. we gave them and they're listening to the community um, that's good it's really cool my only my only thing about that is like i don't you know i tend to play theater of the mind when i when i play i don't like having to bring the technology to play this right. game that i play to get away from technology so it has less of an effect and influence on me but I'm 42 years old, right? Somebody who's half my age probably approaches playing D&D in a much different way. It's like Star right. it's like it's like Star Wars for me. I was I think I was talking to Josh about this recently. It's like when I was in the theater watching like Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, I just sort yeah. of had a I had a revelation that like this just isn't made for me anymore. It's made for kids. Right. And so that so like that's fine. That like yeah. I don't I don't have to hate it. It's just not made for me. It's like I don't right. hate Paw Patrol. It just doesn't factor into my life. You know, See, I, I hate Paw Patrol. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but anyways, that's a whole nother thing. That's just, you know, that's just cartoon copaganda. Um, yeah. So, uh, but I, I will say um, all cops are bark. <laughs> one question I have for you. I'm ignoring that. Uh, <laughs> what what question I have for you? You've got a chance to play the, the VTT at mm-hmm. PAX Unplugged. Mm-hmm. What system was it? I don't know. Anyway, so I think there was a D&D movie this year. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, I just <laughs> just to, just to clarify that like I I walked in, I made no assumptions mm-hmm. and I was just a little too spellbound by the actual product itself. Yeah. So, I didn't pay any attention to it. Uh-huh. And and there's a reason that I don't work in journalism anymore. <laughs> there's let's let's put it this way, um I don't think you would have recognized it as much as you feel like you did mm-hmm. okay. so um yeah that's the extent of what i could comment <laughs> on that topic that's <laughs> fine and fit when i asked you to do this today i knew you would spend the entire time having to walk a very fine line about things which is actually yeah. half the fun of having you on the show because i often <laughs> gotcha, feel yeah. like i have a pretty good idea of what you can and can't talk about yeah. And just like seeing how far we can push you up to the line is always really Thanks. good. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's it's really good. But yeah, so you know, you bringing up the D and D movie thing. That's that to me is just such a wild anomaly. This year is like like D and D finally on the upswing. Like they'd recovered more or less because like I mean at this point, as far as I'm concerned, they've completely recovered from what happened 12 months ago. Yeah, agreed. It, yeah. More so, they've they've actually smashed projections um, yeah. that they had because of all of the different media that D and D's been in. Yeah, and you've still got outliers out there who are like, "Well, I'm just not supporting Watsy anymore because of that." I've had some YouTube comment conversations with some of them. I'm like, "Hey, if that's how you feel, that's fair. Vote with your wallet." You know, yeah. like whatever whatever you want to do. But they were like, they were weirdly respectful about the whole thing. They were like, "Hey, yeah. anybody can do whatever they want to do. This is just what I'm doing." I'm like, I. Thank you for not getting into an internet argument with me. On That's this. awesome. That's very pleasant. But right, so like right in the middle of all this stuff, as they're as they're getting their momentum back, what was it like March? That the D and D movie came out and just bombed. It just bombed completely. 
which which is we got to be very careful with when you say bombed because um, they'll see in the Pinkertons. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so when you say it bombed, uh, you mean that it was a box office failure by how box office um, metrics are judged, right? In- including the marketing costs, because you have to right. take the budget and double it to include the marketing costs. What What was it? Its budget was $150 million, Its box office was $208 million. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it it was almost $100 million short of just breaking even. Yeah. So, but here's the thing. It was a phenomenal movie. <laughs> I I loved that movie. I have seen it four times. Yeah, I like how I like how Hugh Grant is now firmly in his I don't care. I just have bills to pay yes. Uh, yes. era of acting because like he did an interview recently about the 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 Willy Wonka um, right. pre- prequel, and he's like, I don't even know what I did. I like I got kids, man. That, I mean that was oh, yeah. pretty that was pretty much an exact quote from him. Listen, I was really hot. Back in the eighties, yeah, and I had a lot of sex. <laughs> now I gotta pay for it. <laughs> so, yeah, so, no, I, so in twenty <laughs> in twenty years, we're gonna see Nick Cannon in these weird yeah. parts. <laughs> in these, we already movies. are. Yeah, <laughs> like, Doctor Doolittle, uh, fifteen, starring Nick yes. Cannon. <laughs> Nick Cannon as all of the animals and Doctor Doolittle. <laughs> um, but uh, but here's the thing: is like it was it was a commercial failure, I'd say. But it was a fantastic movie. I think mm-hmm. it was kind of a love letter to the D and D fans mm-hmm. everywhere. Um, and uh, while at, immediately after they're like, oh, I don't know how it's going to do because it's had all this resurgence. Especially mm-hmm. by the way, they got they actually made a ton of money on the partnership with Delta mm-hmm. um, for the for the Delta in flight stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, because of that, I. Chris Pine has said he's optimistic there's going to be a sequel. Yeah, I saw that. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think as long as there's like an ember to breathe on that he's going to say otherwise, you know, because yeah. think because think how long um, like the the Zack Snyder Justice League actors were like, oh, yeah, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll yeah, see what happens, fair. you know, because you really can't say anything about that. And I and I think the fact that there has like we're coming up on a year later and they haven't announced a sequel, it clearly didn't meet expectations financially in any way, shape or form, no matter how you do the accounting. Yeah, and that's the thing is like Pine said that back in November or mm-hmm. something like that, yeah. and um, uh, and you know going through the holidays, we're not going to get any news about it. I wouldn't be surprised if we see something in March. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and honestly, I won't be surprised either. I'm just like equally going to be not surprised if at this point there just nothing happens, and it's another twenty years before we get another D and D movie. I saw that first D and D movie uh, in the theaters in college. Uh, when did it come out? 2000, 2002, something like that. I was 10 or 12. Yes, because I'm, I believe, 10 years Old. older than you. Yeah, you yeah. are. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Um, but yeah, I I said this to Josh at the time when it came out, and I, I actually think that this being a Dungeons and Dragons movie was what caused the problems for it. I think that was a net negative for the film. because Interesting. And here's my logic for that. Like, let's say I'm just a person who doesn't really play D&D all that much, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's impossible not to at least have heard of D&D at this point, but I just don't play it very much. Right. D&D still has uh, a bit of a stigma based on outdated information um, and, you know, stereotyping and how things are in the culture and stuff like that, right? Right. So, so that's thing one. So if I'm not interested in D&D, if I don't play it, like, what's going to make me go to see a movie that's called Dungeons and Dragons colon? 
something else. You know, I think this movie would have done better if it had just been a generic fantasy movie that was not branded as Dungeons and Dragons. I disagree. At the very least, it would have done the same. I don't think Dungeons and Dragons helped it. I disagree. Okay. And the the reason is, is because I am all consumers and all consumers are me. And what I feel is what everyone feels. Okay. Uh Uh, And I would not have gone to see a generic fantasy movie because I'm burnt out Mm -hmm. on things. Um, I mean, obviously I'm being facetious, but like, I do think that there is a superhero movie, fantasy movie, generic fantasy movie burnout right Mm -hmm. now because of Marvel, because of, the Hobbit was three movies for some reason. Yeah. And so the fact that you were able to slap a brand name that just got super revitalized because of Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got a whole generation of kids that are learning about this because of toys and different merchandising opportunities. Yeah. I do think that that does actually help it. I think it's a factor. Right. But let's talk about. Let's talk about Stranger Things for a minute, right? Because mm-hmm. like everybody always talks about D&D's resurgence with Stranger Things. Like Netflix wasn't giving out viewership figures at, no, you're at, right. at that point. So like it's really easy to say Stranger Things and D&D had a huge cultural impact. They were really part mm-hmm. of the zeitgeist. Fair. Where's the evidence? You know, because I, I'm sure I'm sure like and I don't want to turn this into something that sounds even vaguely political, but you just sort of have your sort of yeah. like Eastern elites kind kind of people yeah, yeah, watch, yeah. watching the streaming. And, uh, you know, if I'm if I'm living out in the Midwest or something like that in more of a rural area, like maybe I'm not maybe I'm not hip to all that as much. Maybe I don't pay attention to it as much. Um, But the other part of that is like it's also possible to make an argument that Dungeons and Dragons is generic fantasy. That's fair. Yeah, because I think about all the. I think about sort of the antipathy I have sometimes toward a quote unquote traditional Dungeons and Dragons adventure because I'm very tired of just what I call elves in the forest kind of fantasy Yeah, because I've been playing it for 25 years and it just bores me a lot now. So like that's why stuff like, you know, Dark Sun is interesting to me. But but for for a lot of people, I think that's the image of it. Like, you know, like and and I, I always think about Lady Hawk as sort of the prototypical generic fantasy movie. Right. Yeah. So like if I put Dungeons and Dragons honor among thieves up there and I put Lady Hawk up there and let's, you know, do a regression analysis and just pretend and account for all the different factors like time and, and budget and everything like that. Like it's basically the same thing. Like, tell me, tell me what the differentiator is in the non tabletop role players mind between those two films. Chris Pine. Well, remember we're doing a regression analysis on it. So we're accounting for the differences between Chris Pine and a young Matthew Broderick. Oh my god, a young I forgot about that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I'm not sure. Um, mainly because I don't know that I watched Lady Hawk. Um mm-hmm. uh, I saw it on the sci-fi channel in the 90s. I know I didn't watch Lady Hawk now. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so I, I will say that um uh yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not a good person to do that analysis. Yeah. I would say that. You know, the only comparisons I really have for like generic hot fantasy are still tied to brand names, mm-hmm. like the ass terrible Aragon movie, or <laughs> the um the just to pull out a few, or just so everybody's the, clear. No, it does not represent Aragon. <laughs> no, I don't, and I'm sure Christopher Paolini is a fantastic author, but man, that movie was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, but I mean, The Hobbit being split into three movies, like I said, mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. Now, Lord of the Rings, the, that three, that trilogy, the original Peter Jackson trilogy, mm-hmm. phenomenal. And I think that that it's just been so muddy that I do think tying a brand name and then having a sexy honor among thieves mm-hmm. um, is a good way to kind of go about it. Yeah, I just think that what that proved was that the the D and D brand doesn't have as much cachet outside the hobby. As, yeah. as a lot of people really deep in it might like to think that it does because right. it's not it's not a butts and seats kind of thing for for quote unquote average people. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And then so maybe to make up for the money that was lost on this, uh, uh, Watsy ended up uh, jacking up prices on their books last year, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I was. I guess I wasn't surprised because having worked in publishing before, like I understand the reality of the inflation and materials costs and, and all that stuff and everything. But but I mean, those books were already expensive. They were incredibly expensive. Um, I would say that they. Yeah, they're incredibly expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I'm kind of a bad person to comment on this um, mm-hmm. because I am part of the D&D creator program. Hashtag. Mm-hmm sponsored i guess right um and so but i did notice that there was more complaints about D book prices going up mm-hmm. um and uh i think it's just more of the push to digital man uh, yeah i mean that's what i was about to say like i i'm sure that with there's probably less of a volume of print that's yeah. being produced and that translate because they're focusing on digital sales and that translates to higher production costs for a lower volume of print books and also like for the most part let's set deck of many things aside uh, they have very high production values on the stuff that they put out. So yeah. you're going to have like a really nice hardback book that's going to hold up to a lot of stuff. It's going to have hopefully not AI generated art inside it that people have been comp- human beings have been compensated for putting together. Um, but, you know, like like Planescape, it was like it's like eighty five dollars for that. Yeah. For that three book set and the slip cover with the with the DM screen. What about what about the player's handbook? How much does that cost? Uh, right now i'm looking it up okay because on dnd beyond it's 29.99 but it's cut down to 17.99 and it's been discounted for about as long as i can remember but aren't they having a 40 percent off sale right now yeah but it's still on sale even when not mm-hmm. i think yeah well i mean i wonder if that's just sort of the same thing as uh like if you go to buy a dnd book on amazon because it's yeah, always going to be way under msrp like Player's Handbook, I think at MSRP is still forty nine ninety five. Yeah, right. Oh, there's something interesting on the D and D Beyond Marketplace right now. By the way, that I can't publicly comment on, but should be something that you could probably take a look at at some point, Brandon. Okay. Um. Uh. It is weird. They have the Dungeons of Drakenheim, which is marked with a third party tag. Interesting. Interesting. Ghostfire Gaming and Dungeon Dudes. I did. I did see that actually. Uh, oh, Gr- it, Grim Hollow, the Lairs of Atharis, Ghostfire Gaming setting. Weird. Mm-hmm. A third party thing. On yeah. D&D you, know, you know what's funny? That uh, there's third party stuff up there. But if I go to the D&D website, I can't find actual information about books that they've just released. Yep. That's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> yep. So that is all yeah. I'm going to say, because that's uh, too much. Yeah, I've said too much. We will. <laughs> we'll have you back after the embargo is lifted. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So. 
But um, but what I was but what we were talking about was like the price the price of Wizards books right definitely shot up it's it's shot up and it's kind of ridiculous especially like uh, in the last few episodes I've done some inflation comparisons like uh, with my like yeah. with my Forgotten Realms box set from 1994 that cost twenty nine ninety nine um and you get like three books three three soft cover books a bunch of maps all the other widgets and everything like that if you adjust that for inflation to 2023 dollars it's about 62 dollars wow and they're charging me 85 dollars for a slipcover planescape with three hard covers and a dm screen like i don't know about you and i will die on this hill is that like settings like uh, like actual campaign settings God, God wants them to be released in a book or in a, in a box format. He wants them to be yeah. released in a box format. I, I don't care if you're saying like, well, you get this nice protective slip cover. You get three hard covers. You get this really fancy four panel. You get GM the screen. old cover sometimes too. Yeah. I don't care. I want it in a box. I want it right. where I can keep everything together. The box that would have cost me less in today's dollars. Right. You know? But there's also, but you know, I, and to get ahead of anybody who's going to argue with me about that, like, yeah, there are other factors because suppliers probably have changed. It's the general economy sure. for that kind of thing has changed. But I think at the core of it is adjusted for inflation. You're charging me more for more. for what I think is less of a slick product. And you know, but I will say, man, Planescape, Planescape's dope. Planescape's dope. But I go back to my, I like, I go, I go back to my my original feedback on it when josh and i were talking about it is like what did you give me that was different like nothing it, yeah exactly exactly you you opened up the old disney vault and you pulled it out and you you put a sticker on it look here's the city of sigil mm -hmm. sigil still sucks yeah <laughs> like <laughs> yeah lady of pain still looks like a mutant marijuana leaf <laughs> yep i will say it was really funny that they released planescape in the city of sigil right as i was planning stuff for forgotten paths to involve city of sigil uh -huh. and i i literally messaged my D, D creator rep and i was like thanks i'm sure you did this just for me <laughs> <laughs> so again like i keep I, I found myself saying this a lot in the last year it's like what's the differentiator What's what's your argument for me to buy this other than it's new? Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think additions and uh, so here's the problem is we're getting to the place in in D&D's publications where they're re-releasing stuff and you can find the same thing across multiple source books, which in theory could be great if you miss one. Right. But I don't need three different publications for the Artificer. Yeah. I need one. And you can give me additional classes and stuff, but I need one. And yeah. I like the tweaks and stuff that you put out, but I just need one. And that's give me a yeah. And we could see that's where it was going when they released that like Monsters of the Multiverse book that yeah. that collected from several different bestiaries just into one book. And like right. I I talked to folks in our in the G and G community who were like, well, gosh, I'm glad you all reviewed this and told me what it was because I was planning to go buy it and I would have yeah. wasted you know X number of dollars on it. Yeah. And that's the thing is, is like, it's here, here's what they're doing is they're putting out all these settings mm -hmm. and they're releasing adventures with them, mm -hmm. but they're not. So they're giving you a, they're giving you B and they're giving you C, but they're not telling you how to put them all together. Mm -hmm. They're not saying, here's what we want you to do with it. This is what we thought you could do. It's hey, look, sigil. Mm -hmm. 
cool. What do you want me to do with this? Mm-hmm. Like, I can incorporate Sigil into one of my campaigns, but it's not going to be like the thing that I do every time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's 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 give us adventures or give us death, I guess. And, yes. I, and I guess like, I guess I have a retroactive answer for my question because good uh, with with Planescape, because if I wanted to ask, what did you give me new? They would probably the answer. The correct answer is probably Journeys to the Radiant Citadel. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> you know, I, that's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Because if they'd released Planescape first and then released that, it would be a whole different criticism yeah, about it. Absolutely. But but like but there again, it's like a fresh coat of paint on an existing idea. Um, I, I will say though, I do I, for all for all that we're knocking at, I really do like the fact that we are getting predictable releases at this point. Oh yeah, I, don't get me the, wrong. I'm like I I'm thankful because you know four or five years ago. I was like, I really wish they'd do something other than Curse of Strahd, you know, mm-hmm. like give me something else. Like, I also think Curse of Strahd should have been a more full Ravenloft setting. And I'm kind of surprised yeah. that they haven't done that. And instead, they did it over two books like Van Richten's Guide and Strahd. Right. Um, so I think that's kind of weird. But like, I, I like it. And I have nothing against there being a fifth edition Planescape out. I think my thing is like, let's remix it a little bit. I want I yeah. want something different. I want to, a reason for me to run out there and get it like. I'm I like I like I said, I'm a big fan of Dark Sun and I would love to see a 5e Dark Sun release. But I, I've talked in the past about reasons why that can't really happen in, in sort of the current era. So there would right. have to be changes for that. I, I would also say that, like talking about bundling in general, I really, really like what they did when they gave us Fandelver and below mm-hmm. um, and, you know, the Shattered Obelisk, because they didn't just give us more Fandelver. They didn't just take, oh, hey, everyone's played this adventure, including the McElroys. Um, They said, oh, and here's more. And mm-hmm. also, we brought back the original team. Mm-hmm. So, like, Mike Schley worked on Fandelver, did the original Fandelver cartography, and then came back mm-hmm. for it. Like, I do like what they're doing with those. And so... I like that. And uh, I always will support people who go out and take a big creative swing on something whether yeah. whether or not i agree with it or disagree with it whether it was successful or, or unsuccessful i appreciate people who are willing to go out there and make the effort i thought what they decided to do with fandelver was interesting um i like talking about the differentiator that's what i mean by a differentiator yeah take that mm-hmm. thing and then put a spin on it and remix it now having said that i would have appreciated it more if that came out five to 10 years from now. And mm-hmm. it didn't feel like they gave me a book that I bought in 2014 and then put four extra chapters on it. Right. Huh? Weird. Um, 2014. That was like 10 years ago. Yeah. But, but mm-hmm. my argument, but. my argument there is 2014, right? 5e comes out. 5e starts getting momentum, starts getting popular. So you've got like a two to three year span from 2014 to 2017. All these new people are coming in to the hobby. And what are they playing? They're playing Lost Mine of Fandelver as their first adventure, right? Like, I look at that as like, it shouldn't have been as long to be re-released as like Planescape or something like that. But we're still really too close to that to take what is like uh, the first four chapters of it are the same thing. Like huh. it, there should be more space there. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I like it all being in one spot. I mean, and, and I think I said this when Josh and I were talking about it. It's like there are people who this makes sense for. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not knocking it just generally as an idea, but just for me, I would have loved the opportunity to have the last part of it and be able to purchase that separately digitally. Right. 
you know, if I already had the first part of it rather than. Oh, yeah, I see what you mean. You you like like a different bundle option kind of thing. Yeah. Like, I don't want to have to pay for something I already have just because you've added a new thing to it. Well, back in my day, you had optional add ons and you would buy things a la carte. That's you right now. Well, no, honestly, like (laughs) the 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 obelisk part of it should have been sort of physical DLC for for Fandelver. Physical DLC. So PLC. A supplement. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, next thing you know, you're going to tell me that something, you know, speaking of ancient, your ancient ways, that something happened with like Luke Gygax or something this year. (laughs) It was it was Ernie Gygax. Thank you. very. I was going to say Luke's the nice one. Don't get him mad at you. Yeah, I love Luke. Luke's making a sneaker. Is he really? Yeah, he's making some sort of D&D sneaker. I can't remember the details, but I saw it like uh, several weeks ago. Yeah, Luke's really cool. Because I and the only reason I looked at it is because I got a Google alert that was like Gary Gygax's son releasing sneaker. And I was like, that son of a bitch. He's already <laughs> moved on to something else. He's already. Nope, it's Luke. It's the cool one. So, yeah, tell, tell me about Ernie, because I actually completely missed this. I can't believe you completely missed this. I had a but, few other things going on. Yeah. Yeah. But like you're you're familiar with Ernie and, and new TSR and everything yeah. and, you know, neckbeard grognard OSR, etc., yeah. etc., etc. Right. So then, and you were familiar with the whole Star Frontiers thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So for anybody who doesn't know, Justin Lanasa and Ernie Gygax, who who owned New TSR, they were claiming that they could release Star Frontiers, which was an old sci-fi RPG. Mm-hmm. And then Watsy was like, wait, wait, Hold actually, up. well, actually, well, actually. And so there was a lawsuit. And uh, yeah, and you know, like... Uh, in the in the general more enlightened D community and i mean people who are my age and younger probably and who shave their necks on a regular basis and hey i i have a, a line of demarcation right here same mine's like right yeah. here yeah but that's uh, that's that's the youtube short right there by the way yeah 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 <laughs> my line of demarcation but he um you know he's got a lot of bad opinions about uh about the kind of inclusivity yeah. that we want to foster in D&D these days. So whenever he fails I smile. But uh he they had allegedly. To, yeah, yeah. And uh yeah, I think like Watts like Watsy countersued them and Josh and I read through the the um court documents or the the filing documents and it was just really hilarious because I mean it's hilarious and it's awful because there are some terrible racist terms that are are in the documents. Um I would encourage anybody who really wants to have a full understanding of how heinous this is to go read those. Um but just, you know, steal yourself for it a little bit because it gets it gets really bad. It gets yeah. it's the kind of stuff that you might hear in an anthropology class in the 1950s or the 1940s or something like that. Um, but anyways, uh, they ended up having to file for a chapter seven bankruptcy. Good. Um, yeah. After after they were trying to screw over consumers because they kept advertising that stuff was going to be on sale and they were going to be selling this, that and the other thing. And then stuff would just start disappearing well, from the site. Brandon, let me just say the trash takes itself out. Yes, yes, yes. If something uh, something unfortunate happens to somebody who wants this hobby to go back to what it was, you know, right. 30, 30, 40 years ago, whatever, man, though, the world has moved on. We've moved on like G&G was founded specifically to create inclusive spaces. So right. people who were afraid to play tabletop or go into places where tabletop was played mm-hmm. uh, would have a place to go. So I got I got no tolerance for that. But yeah, yeah like right. they, and they're like they're trying to sue Wizards of the Coast for for the rights to that star frontiers and they were ha- they had like a crowdfunding campaign for which it i'm pretty wild. sure i'm pretty sure it wasn't on kickstarter it was one on, on one of the also rans yeah, yeah, yeah um which is a sign of 
something in and of itself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and the, and it all came down to the TSR logo where they were using the TSR logo and which is owned. Yeah. They don't have that right. Okay. That's right. wild. Yeah. But like reading like just this this sentence from the Dicebreaker story about it from earlier in the year. It's like perhaps more importantly was the claim that TSR's new version of Star Frontiers contained, quote, blatantly racist and transphobic and reprehensible content, according to Wizards of the Coast's 2022 injunction that aimed to stop playtesting, distribution, or design work on Star Frontiers. And believe me, I've read through some of it. All of that is accurate. <laughs> I yeah, and I haven't, so well, cool. Good for them. I'm glad. Yeah. Let's listen. Good for we're, us. Weird, weird hill to die on, but at least they're dead. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of weird stuff, this is something that Josh and I have been just like over the last, you know, seven or eight months. I've just been like, what the hell? And it's that free uh, online D&D channel. See, that, I don't know about this one either. You put this in the show notes. I know nothing about it. What is it? It's um, it's a uh, tell me so I can find it. Yeah, it's it's online. It's a it's an FAST, like a free. I used to know what that stood for, but it's basically just a free like online D&D channel. And they, they have like four shows. They have a D&D cooking show. They have reruns of the 1980s Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. And they have two um, actual play shows, one of which is hosted by Matthew Lillard. Like I remember like they were playing it at PAX Unplugged, like um, like oh, faster oh. purple worm kill kill. D&D Adventures. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, oh, like, I know about this. Okay, I was going to say, how can you not know about that? I just, actually, yeah, that's bad that I don't know about that. It's just, it's just so odd. Like, I keep coming back to like, who asked for this? Because yeah, like, I, okay, so it's ad supported, right? So like, it's free ad, free ad supported television. That's what it's that's what it stands for. But um, so it's ad supported. Okay, fine. But how many people are watching it? Because that's going to dictate your ad rates for right. it, right? And like their actual like like sets for this stuff, like so there actually had to be some material that was used to build and maintain and heat and light this. And and that's the thing. So there's a lot of budget out here for this kind of stuff. Um, uh, and I, I work with a couple of production companies that have been doing D and D and tabletop related kind of things related mm -hmm. to this. So this is actually a little familiar. I just didn't realize that this is what it was. Mm -hmm. um, and uh. There's just a ton of money because they have the views and they want the ads and they want the they want to make some sort of revenue because content is king, but they don't know what to do with it. Right. So, but see, but see, talking about they have the views like I would easily understand that if this mm -hmm. was on Twitch or on YouTube or yeah. a, like a well-known like uh, site for, for video. But they're doing their own thing, and you have to generate your own audience for that. Well, so look, look where it's being distributed. Though it's being distributed um, on uh, do 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 what was it? Amazon Freebie and Plex. Um, which those are people still using Plex? Yeah, yeah, they are. And so that's the thing. It's like anything has its last gasp of monetary spend. Right. Um, so that's what's happening with a lot of these fast channels is like they're either trying to get off the ground. And so they have a lot of VC money behind them. And so they're making a ton of money. They're, they're saying, hey, budget, go do this. And mm -hmm. that's why you see specifically 22 episodes. It was pitched like a standard pilot um, mm -hmm. for, uh, for, for that one show. Um, but this is just a slate of shows that was ordered just to provide content on these and try and use a yeah. cash and a brand name. Yeah, it just seemed like it just seemed like there was no strategy to it. I think that was the thing that was just shocking me so much. It's like, okay, two actual play shows. Okay, I can understand that. That makes sense. 
the D&D cartoon. Okay, like, all right, now we're getting into sort of tangentially connected right. things to it, right? Because, like, that's nothing that anybody's going to make time to sit down and watch these right. things. If it's on, it's on, right? And then you get to that D&D cooking show. Heroes Feast? Yeah. I mean, they released that cookbook not too long ago, and mm-hmm. that was well-received. And I thought it was, like, actually a very good book and a mm-hmm. very good cookbook. But I don't know if it's the kind of book that you adapt into a television series Yeah, for, I don't- for D&D. I don't know that you do, but I think there's definitely a market for that. Um, and so, yeah. like, there, there's there's a market for that on Twitch, and there's a market for that mm-hmm. on on other, like, oh, God, well, Yoke TV was one of those. Oh, that's one I've never heard of. <laughs> yeah, and so they, they've had they've had markets for, like, like celebrity, like, tabletop cooking-related things, like cosplay mm-hmm. cooking and stuff like that. And so um, it's literally just VC money paying for slates of shows, paying mm-hmm. for a license to use the D&D logo. And somebody said, oh, hey, Dimension 20 is a thing. And then didn't get any, like, real industry professionals to run it. I'm sure they got people that have worked in the industry. Mm-hmm. But you don't have the production houses like Hyper RPG or Pixel Circus or, you know, uh, or any of the people like Becca Scott working on these things. You mm-hmm. see celebrities coming in and generic lighting around the table. So they clearly looked at something but don't know how to properly do camera angles. Like, mm-hmm. if you look at some of the stills from it, the camera angles are all wrong too. So it's like, it's literally a throw money at it and then they just pick the wrong people to do it. Yeah. See, I, I, the whole, as you were talking, I was like, all the, like, am I just out of touch? No, the children are wrong. <laughs> the, <laughs> the children, children are wrong. wrong. Um, yeah. But yeah, this, this is, this is because there's so much, there's so much desire to make content mm-hmm. that people are easily convinced that content needs to be out there, which leads mm-hmm. to a super saturation of the market. Mm-hmm. Um, You're listening to the Goblins and Growlers podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, and but uh, but that's the thing is like, here's what it is. Goblins and Growlers podcast is is unique in that it's. Uh, yeah. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> when, when when we were at PAX and I was meeting people, I, like when I would give them my card, I'm like, oh, yeah, just yeah. scan that QR and you can see our podcast. They're like, oh, you have a podcast? I said, I'm a white man who's middle aged. Of course, yeah. I have a podcast. That's right. I, I always tell people, listen, download Forgotten Pats. It's another actual play. Everyone has an actual play. So do I. Yeah. They're like, wait, you're a lawyer. I'm like, yeah, I know. so yeah no that's like that's some really good perspective on that because i hadn't thought about you know just all this budget lying around for it right and and when this was announced i was like yeah whatever and then i kind of stopped thinking about it for a couple months and then i guess it was like november that it actually launched and i was like oh yeah that was a thing wasn't it because i i honestly kind of thought it was just not going to happen that's (laughs) that's what i felt like What's really funny, and I can kind of talk about this right now, is that I was actually working on a show that was going to have Will Wheaton, Seth Green, Patton Oswalt, and a few others mm-hmm. um, for a, uh, but it was going to go on Peacock. Um, and so um, I was working on that show. And so it's funny to see uh, Faster, Purple Warm, Kill Kill that has uh, Deborah Ann Wool, Patton Oswalt, Will Wheaton, and Seth Green. Uh-huh. I'm like, you plus three other people. That's the show that I had. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Deborah Ann Wall is great, though. She does not Phenomenal. get the recognition that she deserves. Yeah. Um, when I found out she was in D- into D&D and was just posting about it like all the time, I was like, oh, man, as if I could not love Daredevil even yeah. more. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, she's fantastic. Um, yeah. Let's try and get her on the podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's do it. Yeah. 
Um, and then uh, just uh, like one last thing that is just cast sort of a huge shadow over the last 12, 13 months is AI in content creation. We did like we did like a two part episode with with Tess just talking about like the possibilities of using AR to or AI to help create your content and just why probably you shouldn't do that. But then also, like, of course, everybody's trying to figure out how to make money off of AI content. Right. And by that, I mean, spend less money using right. AI content and keep more of it in their pocket. And even Wizards was not immune to, to feeling the burn of AI, whether well, they meant to or not. Yeah, and that's the thing is, is uh, here, here's the misconception, and this is going to be really unpopular, so I'm glad it's at the end of the episode. Uh -huh. Um uh this will be this will be the thumbnail and headline on YouTube. No. <laughs> um people saw uh the D&D &D art. Um was that during Gen Con? Yeah. When it broke that there was some AI art in mm -hmm. in whatever was released then was it Glory of the Giants, I think. Yeah, it was Glory of the Giants. Yeah, and so Glory of the Giants was released. Somebody saw, oh, this was maybe used made using generative AI. If I recall the particulars, like the artist used some gener either generative AI for inspiration or used some generative AI to do some finishing on it after. Yeah, there was some finishing issues because the, the yeah. I remember distinctly the image having that let clear. Oh. AI doesn't know how hands work. Um, and well, there's an extra arm here. Um, and then it happened again while we were at PAX U, which is just funny. Mm -hmm. um, but here's the thing is that D&D &D reiterated and Watsi reiterated their commitment that AI has no place in the art. And mm -hmm. I, I believe them. I don't think that that was intentional. I don't think that that was Watsi getting in there because these books – are planned years in advance mm -hmm. and the art is created years in advance and months yeah. in advance. And so yeah. it's, it's not that I agree with you. And I, yeah. just before I lose my thought, I'm going to interrupt you. I yeah. agree with you. And that's because I think a lot of people don't understand exactly how art departments at these right. kind of companies work, right? Like there's not a room in, in the Washington state where mm -hmm. there's like 15 artists on the payroll for wizards of the coast sitting right. there drawing everything. Right. Mm -hmm. These are all independent contractors that they're working with. And part of working with independent contractors is you just kind of trust that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and so D and D got sniped twice and they have a big reputation, but honestly it's on the contractors here in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, now, now you can argue that, they should have instituted some checks, uh, you know, after sort of seeing the rapid development of AI and right. like, like going from, from Dale to mid journey, which is now yeah. on it's like the sixth iteration of mid journey makes perfect faces. Like it's photorealistic. Right. right? So you could, you could make an argument that they should have like thought ahead on that, but you can like argue a lot of stuff about people thinking ahead. Like it's one yeah. of those, like you don't know what you don't know kind of things. Yeah, there's, there's so many straw mans in this that mm -hmm. I, I don't think that, you know, I don't think that there was any um, bad intent, but I do think that AI is, the problem that is is that a lot of companies are so capitalism mm -hmm. um, as an adjective. I think much much capitalism, very money, M much capitalism, very money, that they see AI as a replacement for the worker, where mm -hmm. it should really more be AI is a assistant tool. It mm -hmm. is it is a QuickBooks. AI is in Microsoft Excel. Mm 
mm-hmm. which yeah, you go, okay, there's going to be the, well, this is the internet. So the YouTubers are going to be like, Oh, actually this replaced some people data entry and accounting. I don't give a fuck about you go home. Um, yeah. uh, but, but what I mean is it should be a tool, um, as opposed to a replacement. A lot of people are viewing it as a replacement, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I play with it all the time. I have, I pay for a mid journey account, but mainly it's, Oh, do you? Nice. I do. Yeah. I pay 30 bucks a month and it's mainly just so in the private discord that I have with my friends from high school, we have a channel just for creating stupid mid journey ideas that usually, that usually evolve, involve putting Steve Harvey and Louie Anderson into uncomfortable situations. Oh Uh, no. (laughs) And learning and learning ways to, 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 um, get around the filters. Yeah, <laughs> to make it more embarrassing. Yeah, and that's the thing is like I I've I've opened up ChatGPT a couple of times and said like, hey, I'm I'm working through this. Is there a better way to say this? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Not from like my legal work, but for like when I am, uh, for example, earlier today I opened it up because Trevor May was streaming, and you know as a friend and also podcast dad, Trevor May, mm-hmm. um, he uh, he's he's somebody in chat joked that he should run for president in twenty twenty four. So I opened up ChatGPT and said, "Hey, give me Trevor May's campaign slogan," <laughs> and, it, and it was um, it was uh, Trevor May uh, Trevor May for America twenty twenty four, pitching a better future for everyone. I was like, that's. Get, get some get some little I like Ike buttons made up that say all the way with Trevor May. All the way with Trevor May. Yeah. See, there you go. Campaign manager right here. Yeah, exactly. See, that's why you don't need AI because yeah. they, they can't make those great creative leaps like the human yeah, brain can. You don't need AI because dads exist. Uh, so <laughs> like, the we last, have dad humor. The last thing I want to ask about about the AI art thing is the yeah. one that popped up at PAX Unplugged. Was that the fake one? Because there was a fake one. Yeah, I think that was a fake one. Yeah, because I remember I was looking at Facebook and I think it was like that night that I got back from PAX and I saw that out of nowhere and with no context, the Dungeons and Dragons Facebook account posted their AI guidelines again. Yeah. And and I dug into it a little more and a friend of mine from sort of outside our our little circle was like, oh, hey, man, did you see this? And like apparently a bunch of people on Reddit like saw something and thought it was a- AI and they just freaked out about it because they don't understand how graphic design works. I, you know, actually I found that the people of Reddit um, and comments on YouTube and TikTok are actually very rational and um, thoughtful people. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, uh, if you are a <laughs> rational and thoughtful person and Reddit's just not doing it for you, I uh, wholeheartedly advise you to join the conversation on the Goblins and Growlers Discord, bit.ly slash Goblin Discord. You can find me on various socials at Way of Brandalore. Um, I'm not really on Twitter slash X anymore, but I still yeah. have an account there. Josh is on Blue Sky at Black Cloak DM and uh, on Discord. Uh, go to Linktree at goblins slash goblins and growlers, and you can find all our. Did you know we have a podcast? We have an actual play because everybody what has is an it? actual play. It's called Quid Pro Roll. It's our sister podcast, and you can follow it on your podcatcher of choice because it's available basically everywhere. Yeah. And then finally, finally, word of mouth not only is the greatest ludicrous album, but it is the best way to tell people about our podcast. So telephone, telegraph, tell a friend about the Goblins and Growlers podcast. And we'd love it if you'd leave us a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice. If you're not going to leave us a five-star review, do me a favor and don't leave a review and reach out to me on social media at Way of Randalore and let us know your criticism so we can address it and win you back as a customer. (laughs) I will say, everybody, if you enjoyed the show, tell your friends. If you didn't, tell your enemies. (laughs) 
Noah, I believe uh, I might be wrong about this, but I seem to recall you have some kind of podcast. Oh, yeah. Weird. Uh, yeah. So I have a podcast called Forgotten Pats. It's mm -hmm. a it's an amazing show. We have 61 hour episodes available plus four miniseries. Fifth one will be out at the same time as this show. So when you're done here, go listen to that um, yeah. and you'll love it. It's an amnesia campaign. We have fun and uh, maybe we have campaign two coming in 2024. Ooh. Ooh. And then also some a uh, couple housekeeping, a couple housekeeping things. If you're not watching this on the YouTube channel and you're listening to this uh, in audio, do me a solid and subscribe to the Goblins and Growlers YouTube channel because I'm actually trying to do stuff with it in 2024. So that would mm -hmm. be really swell. Uh, and then also we have a monthly gaming newsletter. Uh, I can only muster up the time and patience to put it out once a month. So I promise I won't spam you with it. And it's like indie recommendations. It's TTRPG news and just generally a how's it going and a nice little note to start to, to end your month with. Uh, and you can uh, subscribe to that at the link at the top of our link tree. Um, and uh, no, do you have anything else left you need to pitch? I feel like I've used up all the oxygen in this room in the last probably three minutes. Yeah, check out the rest of the shows on the network, the Make Contain Action Network. You can check it out by Googling. Yeah, check the, yeah, check this out. Search for it. It's yeah. uh, link, it's it's link tree slash MCA pods. Okay, all right. Well, thank you everybody for uh, watching slash listening. And Noah, thank you for helping out course, me man. and helping out Josh by taking time out of your very busy evening when you've told me you haven't even eaten dinner yet. You're not yeah. if you if you don't do that, you won't be a man of substance much longer. <laughs> thanks, all bud. Right. Yeah. All right. We'll catch up to everybody later. Thanks for thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Everybody have a good one. Bye. like what you hear, consider subscribing and giving us a review over on Apple Podcasts. Especially early in the feed, subscriptions and reviews are super helpful for bringing new listeners our way. Thank you!